Well, get your Bibles open. I want to get real quickly into the Word because I want to have some time of prayer tonight before we leave. Open your Bibles to Matthew 6. How many are excited about this weekend? Man, thank you for those that are sounding excited. I'll believe the rest. Amen. We've been working hard, praying hard, preparing hard, and now we've got to do it. Amen. So uh, we still need a couple of nursery workers. Laura said, so please see her or Carla. More than enough is better than not enough. Amen. And we're going to need um, everybody to help us, everybody to show up um, both nights. Amen. This isn't something that we are putting on for everybody to say, oh, I hope it goes well. This is a team effort. So we need everybody to show up both nights. And um, obviously the only reason you wouldn't get to see it is if our prayer is answered that there's so many people we have to turn them away. And that's what we're hoping for. Amen? Am I on? Okay. Can't hear myself up here, so I'll believe you. So we have a few flyers left out there to take tonight. Take some with you. Pass them out everywhere you go. How many have been inviting people? Let me see your hands. All right, I believe you. Amen. I think that everybody individually has been passing these things out. And so tonight I want to talk a little bit about prayer because we have to understand prayer is what's going to seal the deal. Amen. And uh, in Matthew 6, let's just look there real quick. Chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Now, some people would look at these verses. Jesus is teaching these people how to pray, and they may say, okay, well, that's why I don't open my mouth and pray out loud. That's why I'm quiet. That's why I don't pray out loud. That's, why, that's not what he's saying here. He's talking about those that would talk out loud to be heard. That the only time they would pray was when they were in public. They wouldn't have a time of closet prayer. And we need to be careful tonight as believers, church, that we're not like that. That we're not at church praying and then outside of church, we don't ever pray. I don't believe that that's where we're at, but that's what we got to be careful of to not be that kind of a person. I was thinking today, I don't remember what made me think about it, but I was thinking about the carnal Christian. The carnal Christian that in church talks a certain way, sings a certain way and acts a certain way. But when they're outside of the four walls of the church, they think, talk, and act different than when they're in the four walls. How many can say amen? You know who I'm talking about, amen? That is not of God. God wants us to be people. It's, it, some of us are trying to ride to heaven on the prayers that we do at church. And you might think, well, how come I'm not more victorious? And because we don't pray enough. And you can pray an hour a day and you're not praying enough. We can never pray too much. You're never going to get in trouble. I don't believe God would ever say, hey, slow down. Stop that. You are talking to me way too much. Our relationship is way too good. You know, I don't need to talk to you today. You know, he's never going to do that. We can always get better at our prayer life. And so Jesus here, if you're taking notes, is, is showing us the attitude of prayer is 
our heart. So I want to talk about bold praying tonight. How many want to have a bold prayer life? Amen. Now prayer, listen, prayer life, a prayer life is work. It is practice. It is doing it over and over again. It's learning how to talk to God in a way that is bold, in a way that has faith, in a way that, it, just like you build a relationship, you don't get married and that relationship's built. You, you work on your marriage relationship your entire time you're married. How many have been married long enough to understand that? You continue to work on your relationship over and over again, and things change, and situations change, and we change, and the weather changes, and we, we have to adapt to that. It's the same with our prayer life. You don't just get saved and have a prayer life. You don't just get saved and know how to pray. And so Jesus is grabbing these things here, these situations, and he's reading he's in these scriptures. He's saying, this is how you should pray. Don't be a hypocrite. He's saying, don't, don't let your prayer life be at church only, but have a prayer life at home. So, I, you know, how many times have you been in your car, think about this, and the Holy Spirit has told you, turn that radio off and talk to me. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. But I bet God's done that to you. Do we listen? Do we answer? Or do we sometimes, without the Holy Spirit even telling us, turn the music off and just talk to God? Man, y'all are quiet tonight. Surely, he says, they have their reward. So he's saying, hey, no prayer is a bad prayer. But he says, I want a heart prayer. I want, I want you to talk to me. Think about this. The prayer, a real prayer life is a life of prayer that you're praying to God, not because somebody's watching you, not because you have to, but because you want to talk to God. There's a relationship. These people that he was always rebuking, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, were people who had a religious look to them, but they didn't really know God. They didn't have a relationship with the Lord. And let me tell you something. If you've been here for very long, you understand how important I believe prayer is to the church. And I want to tell you, I want to give you a statement tonight. The closer we get to the return of Christ and the end of the ages, the the worst and more powerless the church is becoming in prayer. There's less prayer meetings. There's less times of prayer. Now I'm talking again generally. I'm not talking just our church. I'm talking in general. How many believe we should be praying more now than we've ever prayed before? But we're busy, the, the, the church world is busy doing and going, and I can give the example of this play. We're doing something that's very great. We're doing something that's awesome. We're, we're going to do a presentation that is going to get people to think about their walk with God. It's going to get people stirred up. It's going to get people to, to, to do some examination of their life. And we've got testimonies, and we have movie, and we have lights, and we have sound, and we have all this stuff. But if we don't pray... There's no difference than that or some, or some movie at the, at the theater that you can say, well, the message is different. But if it doesn't have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, nobody's going to get saved. And if they do raise their hand and get saved, it's not going to be a conversion experience that we're looking for. So how many know we've got to cover this play in prayer? We've got to, you know, we, when we did this four years ago, our... our, our Cast was greatly attacked. I was talking to Pastor Dustin today from the home church. He said it's nothing new. He said every play they've ever done at the home church, you know, when they brought Tweaked here and they've done Broken and they've done these different plays, 
every time their people have been attacked. It's just that just comes with it. It's a, the devil doesn't like when you go after souls. But we have to understand that we can combat the devil's actions with prayer. You don't combat the devil's actions with thoughts. You combat the devil's actions with prayer. You lift up a standard against the enemy tonight. Amen? And so the, a sign of a healthy church is bold prayer. A, a church that knows how to pray. A church that knows how to get a hold of God. If you want to get some people around you that, that, that you, know, you want to get people around you that know how to pray. Don't ask someone to pray for you that don't know how to pray. You, how, many, how many want to be called on and have somebody know, hey, if I ask this person to pray, they're going to pray. I want to know that person is going to pray. And we need to learn that when someone says, hey, can you lift this up? Pray for it right then. Don't put it off till later. Stop what you're doing and go to the Lord in that prayer. Amen. You know, as I'm saying this about the prayerless generation, I'm, I'm, I'm getting you to understand that Jesus said that himself. Go, go quickly to Luke 18. And I want to read a couple of verses here. And I'm, I don't know if I'm going to have you go look at all the rest of them. I might read them for you. But I want you to look at this one. The closer we get to the return of Christ, the closer we get to the end of the ages, the more we have to pray. Please understand that. Please get an understanding that you must have a prayer life. We, we try to teach you here at church how to pray. We have a prayer room. Everybody turn back and look at that big old sign back there that says engine room. I know there's still some people that don't know what that is. It means... That prayer is the engine that makes the church go. And that room back there is a Sunday school room. We use it for children. But right now, it, it also serves as our prayer room. And it's the place that we open up the doors before service for people to go and pray. So I want to encourage you tonight. I've said it before, but I want to say it again. It is not just a place for the leaders to go pray. It's not just a place for the praise team to go pray. It is an open door for everybody to go pray. I'm telling you, if you, if you want to see revival like I want to see revival, you would be, be amazed what would happen if everybody would get in that prayer room before service and we would seek God's face together before the service ever started. Oh, I wish the anointing would fall more in the praise and worship. Oh, I wish I could feel more of God's presence. Well, get in the prayer room and you'll feel more of God's presence. Because we'll defeat the flesh before the service ever starts. So it's open to everybody. Amen. Everybody can go back there. You don't have to be here a long time, a short time. You don't have to know how to pray. You say, well, I don't know how to pray. Well, guess what? Go back there and learn. Go back there and listen to people. Go back there and, and, and try. You're not going to learn how to pray unless you try. How many have ever rid a bike? Did you just get on that thing and ride it? Or did you need some training wheels? You got to get on that bike and you got to fall and you got to ride it for a while and you got to go slow and then you take off the training wheels and then there you go. And then once you learn, then it's like that old saying, like riding a bike, it comes back to you, but you have to learn how. And prayer takes practice. Why do you think Jesus talked about it so much? Because he knew it was important. So he said in Luke 18, 1, watch this, he spoke a parable and he says that men, I'm not going to read the parable, but he said that men, and that's obviously women as well, always ought to pray and not lose heart. Always ought to pray. If you go through a day, or if you go a couple hours and you're not talking to God, 
You, you might be in trouble. You need to be conscious of God all the time. How can we truly call ourselves believers? And then, like I said, on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, hopefully that you come, all those services, Wednesday night you're here. You, you, that's the only time you think of God. I'd question your walk with God. Come on, say amen, or woe is me. You better be thinking about God on a Thursday afternoon, on a Saturday morning, on a Monday at midday. God ought to be on your mind all the time. He, he constantly in prayer. He says men ought to always pray and not lose heart. Some may say, well, I, I, I've never met a person. Listen, I've never met a person who has a prayer life who loses. Never. Didn't say they don't have struggles. Didn't say they don't have trials, but I've never met a person who has a prayer life that does not win. Because he says right here, and not lose heart. He knows somebody who has a prayer life and knows how to get a hold of God in prayer is somebody who is not going to lose heart. Because God is not going to sit there and not answer our prayers. He is a God who is more willing, listen, he's more willing to answer than we are to ask. Pastor said at the offering, he, 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 will, he will answer if we ask, if we believe. And if it comes to prayer, he is waiting anxiously to answer. But he's looking for a prayer that comes from our heart. In that same chapter, watch this bold statement by Jesus. We're in this day where we're at today in 2014. He says in the same chapter, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. He's talking about that parable. Nevertheless, listen, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? On the earth. That ought to make us stop for a second and think. When the son. Jesus is making a bold statement there. When I come back. Will people be praying? When I come back. Will people be looking? When I come back. Will people be watching? When I come back. Will people be working for me? When I come back. Will people be doing what I asked them to do? How many are following me? He says, hey, the closer we get to the end, it seems like the more we do, we, we do less of what we should be doing and more of what we shouldn't. Let that mill around in your mind for a second. Romans chapter 1 verse 9 says, My God is my witness, listen, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you in, always in my prayers. The New Testament was founded on prayer. The New Testament church, amen, was founded on prayer. Paul said, talked about prayer 27 times. Different times in the Bible. Not just 27 verses, 27 different times he addresses prayer. In James 5, verse 17, you've heard that verse before. It talks about uh, Elijah. When he was a, the Bible says he was a natural man, just like us, with, with a nature, just like we're in. And it said he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. The reason that prayer, that, that rain did not come is because he earnestly, write that word down, earnestly prayed. Now I want you to listen to me for a second. I want you to ask yourself a question. And we're all guilty of this. You have a problem. You get a bad call. You get a bill in the mail. You get a, a doctor's report. You have a huge fight with your spouse. You, whatever it is, some big situation happens. Do you immediately, earnestly seek God's presence in prayer? Or do you begin to think about how you're going to fix that problem? 
Ask yourself that question. God, that's, human, that's human reaction, but God wants us to get on the phone line with Him quick. He wants us to know that He's the answer. He wants us to seek Him earnestly and not go through all, because this is what we do. We go through all of our abilities. We, try, we go through the index card of all the things we can do, and then when none of that works out, we go, Oh, God, could you help me out? Why y'all staring at me so much tonight? It's okay, listening earnestly. Amen. Golly. Amen. That's good. Listening earnestly is good. It's true though. And then I think to myself, God, well, maybe if I'd have talked to you before I went through the half of the index cards in my Rolodex trying to figure out what I'm going to do, I might have saved myself from being late on the bill. Or going to collections, or I'm just giving an example. Why do we seek God later instead of first? We need to go to God and say, hey, I, this is, I just got a bad report, but I'm going to earnestly seek God. And I know that God is my defender. God is my shield. Mark eleven twenty two says, have faith in God. Come on, church, if we're true believers, we shouldn't get bad news and freak out. We should say, I know this is not good in the carnal. I know this is not good in the physical. But my God is a big God. And I'm going to have faith in Him. He's never failed me before. He's not going to fail me now. I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to seek Him in the morning. I'm going to seek Him at night. I'm going to pray earnestly till I get my answer. I'm going to wrestle with Him like Jacob did. And I'm going to win because with God we cannot lose if we're praying. What does 2 Chronicles 7, 14, as we put up in the beginning, says, if, write that big if down in your notes. He says, if my people will pray. It's the best verse in the entire Bible about prayer. He says, if my people will pray and, for, and, and repent of their sins. He says, if. If we will pray. He's saying, hey, I see your situation. I see that you guys have a good heart tonight as a church and you have talent that you're using and you're going to put this play together and, and I'm, I, I want to see God, I want to see uh, people get saved because that's my heart, God says. But if you'll pray, I'll do what you can't do. If you'll pray, I'll bring in that person that says no to the play. If you'll pray, I'll soften the heart of that person that said no to the play. I'll soften that heart to the person that says, I don't want anything to do with God. I'll soften the heart of that member of your family that says, I don't want to hear anymore. God says, if my people will pray, let me step in. We can't do this in the flesh. We can't do this on our own, church. We got to seek God. Now listen, this is something I want you to write down. This is, if you don't get anything else out of this whole message, get this. You will never, and underline never, you will never move in the spiritual dimension. In a spirit, when I say spiritual dimension, that means in a, in a supernatural, powerful way. I'm trying to talk to people tonight here who aren't just trying to just be Christians. I'm looking for some people here tonight that want to be overcomers. That want to be more than conquerors. That want to see the supernatural hand of God upon their lives. 
They don't just want to come to church to come. They want to see miracles and signs and wonders. Move into a different dimension. You might be saved for 25 years, but you say, I'm not satisfied with what I've seen. I want more of God. I want to see a move of God. I want to see the miraculous happen. You will never move in a spiritual dimension beyond the spiritual dimension of your closet prayer. Let that simmer. Oh, I want to see a move of God. Oh, I want to see God move. Oh, God, I want to see my family saved. And on and on and on. Yet God says, but you don't pray. You only pray at church. Or you throw up some popcorn prayers during the day. But you don't seek me. I'm not on your mind. I'm not the first thing you think of. You don't get along with me. Closet prayer doesn't necessarily mean you go in a closet. But it means a place that's you and God. It can be your car. It can be your, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a supernatural place. It's the spirit behind God. I'll, I'm going to spend some time with you. I'm serious about this. I really want to see my family saved. I really want to see revival. I'm going to die to my flesh. I'm going to get on my face. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to pray. Amen. Amen? Amen? I am going to seek your face, God, and I'm going to get an answer. And I'm not going to quit till I get it. Tenacity in the Lord. I'm going to show you something in Acts 4 in a second, but I was thinking about this in the prayer room tonight. Now, whenever I talk about this, I'm not condemning anybody. I'm getting you to think. I want to make you better. I want you to get better. I want you to have a better prayer life. God wants you to have a better prayer life. This church needs you to have a better prayer life. God's kingdom needs it. But a lot of times... I, 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 as a leader, I watch. I pay attention. I've told you before, I have to get past being the prayer police. Because my flesh wants to grab you and put you on the chair and tie you there. And make you pray for more than two minutes. Because I know how important it is. And my thought is, if they don't pray here, I wonder how much they pray at home. Now, I'm not, I'm not judging or anything, just to understand what I'm saying. If we can't pray in church, how much are we praying at home? And so a closet prayer is not popcorn prayer. It's time spent with God. And I thought to myself, we're continually pushing and encouraging and training to pray and to go in there and spend time before service. The only, in my opinion, excuse anybody has is kids, and I understand that. Coffee can wait. Conversation can wait. You know, you can do your talking after church. But we've got to make time for God. If we want to see a move of God, we've got to make time for God. And it's not just, well, I'm going to go pray in the prayer room because pastor asked me to. I'm going to go pray because I'm supposed to. There's goodness in that. There's an obedience. There's a spiritual authority. And there's goodness to that. But I hope that you would go in there and say, God, build my prayer life. Help me learn to stay in your presence more than a minute. Now, it's not the, the quantity. It's the quality. But I thought about this. How many have ever done any kind of exercise? Running, bicycle, anything. Okay? When you first start running, let's just put running. Man, how, what, what, are you, what are you when you first start? You might stretch. Maybe you don't. You start running. You look like this. Right? You're stiff. You can't move. Your body's not loose. And you... 
If you don't push through, you're not going to run very long. You get on a bicycle, treadmill, elliptical, you start moving. That first two minutes, your flesh says, get off this dumb thing. Get off the dumb thing. You're not doing anything. You're not going to last. If you've ever stayed on that thing more than 20 minutes, you had to push past those first few minutes. That's called flesh. It's the same thing in prayer. I don't have a prayer life. You haven't stayed on your knees long enough to get one. If you don't do it here, do it at home. But listen, I'm trying to teach you to push past your flesh. Because your flesh does not want to pray. The devil does not want you to pray. He hates people who know how to pray. Because prayer is what moves God's hand. There's going to be a whole lot of people in heaven that nobody knows. But they move the hand of God. Amen. We're not going to know their name. But God's going to know their name. The Bible actually says that a fragrance of the prayer of the saints goes up to heaven. Fragrance of the prayer of the saints. Not the great preaching, not the great outreaching, not the great tithing, the prayer of the saints. There's something to be said about prayer. And doing it with the right heart and understanding that I'm not going to see what I want to see happen if I don't pray. So you have to learn to push past the flesh. You have to learn, to. as we were in there, it was getting closer to the end of time, closer to seven. And some people had been in there for a while and it began to build. The prayers began to build. And that's what happens. We have prayer in the morning, a discipleship. We've had prayer meetings in here on Friday nights. The beginning's always quiet. The beginning's always somber. The beginning's always, I guess you could almost say lame. But as you stay and you begin to build and that thing begins to build up, what happens is people begin to push past flesh and get into the spirit. And if we're just, watch this, if we're just praying in the flesh, we'll have our reward. Okay, the Bible says that we will have our reward if we're just praying. It's a good thing, but we're not going to have results if we don't get past the flesh. And get into the spirit. Can you say amen? Amen. Bold prayer. Just a couple more verses. Acts chapter 4. 23 and 31. You don't have to go there. I'll read it to you. And being let go. They they went to their own companions. And reported all the chief priests. And elders. What they had said to them. And when they heard that. They raised their voice to God. Say raised their voice to God. I want everybody to say that. Raised their voice to God. It does not say they closed their mouths and meditated. They raised their voice to God. I mean, it's not about what you hear, but God says, open your mouth. Bold prayer. This isn't meditation. We don't. "Mm." Actually, if you did, "Mm," some of you'd be talking more than you do when you pray. (laughs) The "Mm," is a noise, at least. Amen. Open your mouth. It's not to be heard what you're saying to somebody else. It's just to be obedient. He says, and they raise their voice to God with one accord. Doesn't mean you have to shout. Doesn't mean you have to scream. My pastor calls it a low roar. Everybody's praying out loud, not screaming, not shouting, but praying out loud. And it's like a, it's like a thunder. It's like a wave of prayer. 
It's a powerful thing. It's powerful. He says, and when they heard that, they raised their voice, Lord, you are God who made the heavens and the earth and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David said, why did the nations rage? Why did they plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord is Christ. He says, for truly your servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, sorry, against, uh, and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Watch this. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all quietness and timidness. No. No. What does it say? I hate to beat a dead horse. But for some reason, when we go to fight the devil, we're timid. Yet when we get angry, we scream. He didn't say with timidness. He says, with boldness, they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal. And watch this. And that these signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, I'm still waiting. I've seen glimpses. I'm still waiting to be in a prayer meeting. Where this happens. It says, and while they prayed, or when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with what? Boldness. Acts 2.42 says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread. Now, lots of churches have got that right there. Doctrine, fellowship, and the breaking of bread. But the powerful church finishes off and in prayers. I mean, some churches, and we can be good at too, are just great at fellowshipping. Some churches are named that. But prayer, <laughs> prayer is what we need. We need prayer, amen, to see God's hand move. I wasn't planning that. I promise. They realized the importance of prayer. They knew that the only way they were going to see an answer is if they prayed. If my people will humble themselves and pray. Amen. Acts 12.5 says it's a constant prayer. Constant you need to get consistent in your prayer life. And the devil's going to fight you every day. He fights me every day. I go to bed and wake up consistently conscious of the need to spend time with God. Fights me every day. Fights you every day. If, how many have learned in your walk with God, if the devil fights you on something, it's because it's good. If prayer wasn't powerful, it'd be easy. Everybody would do it. We'd do it for a long time. We, but it's not easy because it's powerful. And the devil fights it. Acts 16, I'll end with this. Verse 11 to 15. They're, they're sailing from Troas and ran into a, ran a straight course sorry, to Samothrace. And the next day they came to Neapolis. And there from Philippi, which is the foremost city of Macedonia colony, says we're staying in the city. For some days and on the Sabbath day when we went out to the riverside where prayer, watch this, where prayer was 
customarily made. We sat down and spoke to the women who met there. And a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Prayer opens the heart of people. Nothing we do should be done without prayer. We should eat praying. We should go to sleep praying. We should do outreaches praying. We should come to church praying. We should pray as a family. We should pray before we read the word. We should pray, 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 pray. Prayer should be customary in our lives. We shouldn't be shocked. Nobody should be shocked when we pray for our food. We shouldn't be shocked if someone says, hey, let's pray about this. Prayer should be customary. Prayer should be expected. Our kids should know, hey, have we prayed? Did we pray? Let's pray. I'll tell you when you're seeing a revival is when your kids are saying, hey, let's pray. Did we pray about that? Hey, let's pray about this. That means they've caught it from somebody, which is most likely you. And it wasn't just at church. There's nothing more exciting than seeing kids say, let's pray. And let them get, get, the, get the understanding of what prayer does. And it says, when she and her household were baptized, she got saved. She begged us, saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she persuaded us. Prayer gave a conversion. If we pray as a church, we're going to see conversions this weekend. Not just a crowd. Not just a crowd. Conversions. We need to say, God, stretch out your hand and touch these people. Do what only you can do. Everywhere in the New Testament, God moved when they cried out to him. Everywhere. I've said this many times before, and I'll say it again. I would take, I've, I've played lots of sports, and I've been there picking teams. I've picked teams. I've been picked. We play softball. People get picked. There's nothing worse than being last one picked. Or not even picked. Um, being chosen between the two, which one's going to get you? Right? There's nothing, that, that's difficult. But prayer and, and being picked and, 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 and seeking the hand of God gets us to a place where we understand, hey, this is not going to happen if we don't pray. If, if we don't choose to seek God on this, it's just going to be another thing. It's just going to be another service. It's just going to be another outreach. It's just going to be another praise song. It's just going to be another worship song. People have the attitude, you know, people jump from churches to churches all over the place because they didn't like the song or they didn't like the color of the furniture or they didn't like this or that. They're not worried about God's presence. Somebody who's got God's heart will praise in any color chair with any song that's played, no matter how good they are. And this goes back to this. God, I would choose talent. If I was picking a team, I would choose prayer over talent any day. It's not about who can sing the best, play the best. It's about who will come and dedicate themselves to pray. Amen. I can't stress this enough. Our praise team, our leaders, our ushers, anybody who says, I want to step up and serve God, better understand 
that this place is a holy place. And this is a consecrated place. And I'm not talking about us being human and making mistakes. I'm talking about taking serious, standing before God and serving God. And saying, God, I can't do this in my flesh. Let no flesh glory in your presence. Amen. Amen. The attitude of saying, God, I came off a rough work day today. And I'm going to get up and pray. I'm going to get up and sing. I need to get on my face and seek you. I need to talk to you. I need to get all of my anger, all of my frustration. i got to get it out because I can't get up there in your presence, on your stage, on your platform, and be in the flesh. Let no flesh glory in your presence. Romans 8, 26, and musicians can come. We're going to have some time of prayer tonight. Likewise, Romans 8, 26, the Spirit. Say Spirit. You know what we need in our prayer life? The Spirit. Also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray. This is what Romans says. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray. And this is why he says, But the Spirit Himself makes intercessions with groanings that cannot be understood. That's why if you're here and you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need to keep seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because you can have a prayer life, but when you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you have a Spirit-filled prayer life. And when your flesh is done, the Spirit takes over. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to have a prayer life where you can pray in God's language not a heaven or hell issue it's a power issue it's a supernatural issue it's a breakthrough issue it's understanding that when I get to a place where I have no answers no words left my spirit takes over when I don't know what to say my spirit takes over how many would like to pray and have God say in heaven with all his angels amen I mean, I'd like to hear the angels say amen to our prayers. We need to get desperate in prayer. Desperate. We need to understand that our time is short, that we're running out of time, that we're in the last quarter. We're on the last part of this race. And we need to not get weary. We need to get strong. And the Bible says they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. When you're weak and you're down and you're sick and you feel like you can't win, it's more when you need to press in. When you feel like there's no answer for your problem, it's when you need to pray. And you just say, God, I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek you till I get an answer. And you watch and see God answer. You watch and see God say from heaven, amen. 